Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Mary, the Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. So, once again, we have another week where I have a lot of stories I wasn't able to get to during the main podcast. And some of them I'm actually going to revisit because we had to scrunch in a lot at the end of the main podcast. So, we're going to talk about them a bit more in depth here, but I'm going to open up with something that we kind of discovered in between breaks or in between segments on the main podcast. And that is the fact that this weird element of the iTunes user agreement is still in there. Section G of the iTunes user agreement states at the very bottom that you also agree that you will not use these products for any purposes prohibited by the United States law, including without limitation, the development, design, manufacture, or production of nuclear, missile, or chemical or biological weapons. I mean, I get you got to cover your bases, but um, I'm going to go on a hunch here and say that anyone that would somehow use iTunes or any other piece of Apple software to develop nuclear or chemical or biological missiles or weapons of any kind do not actually care about Apple's end user agreement. I'm just saying. I feel fairly confident that Apple does not have to worry about anyone trying to use iTunes for biological warfare and then that coming back to bite Apple in the butt. I'm just saying. I I originally discovered this like one day when I was bored waiting for a class to begin at college. And I am it it, it makes me smile a little bit that this absolutely ridiculous clause is still there. But I felt like I needed to share this with the podcasting crowd even though when push comes to shove it is Literally, not figuratively, but literally pointless. Shifting gears radically, we have the Ampere Ultra Max, which is a 128 core ARM server processor. Just a friendly reminder that ARM is in fact getting to the point where it can in fact be a many core system. And in fact, not only that, but ARM is actually much more suited, at least in my limited knowledge. And I admit it's limited. In my limited knowledge of how the architecture works, I do believe you can actually fit more of these ARM processors onto one server than you can an x86 chip. But 
there is one problem. It is not anywhere near as powerful performance per clock or performance or not per performance per clock, performance per whatever, whatever it is. The actual performance per CPU core is still beaten out big time by AMD's Epic CPUs. So even though you have a whole lot of cores, every single AMD core on the Epic processor is still much better at what it does. So we're not gonna see ARM outdo x86 yet. in the server market. But it could, in fact, only be a matter of time. It actually is really hard to say because if AMD has shown us anything, it's that although ARM is getting better, x86 can still push a lot of performance out. And I do mean a lot. It is, in fact, rather impressive how much AMD has improved in just a matter of a few years. I want to talk for a minute about the Google Pixel. So first off, another leak. Because, of course, we haven't had enough Pixel leaks. Not even close. Do you think even for a moment we had enough leaks? Oh, no, 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 no. Not even close to enough leaks. We need more. Much, much more. How much more, you might ask? Well, how about the price tags? The Pixel 6 will have a starting price of $750. And, if I'm not mistaken, according to this leak, the Pixel 6 Pro will start at $1,050, which actually puts it pretty much competing head-to-head -head with the iPhone. And it's slightly disappointing, I'm not going to lie. It is fairly obnoxious to see the price of phones continue to go up. But, you know, maybe this custom SoC that's going to be in the Pixel 6 is going to be worth it. Maybe the camera is going to blow us away. The Pixel's always been great with cameras. It has just been fantastic. So maybe, just maybe, we can see something truly impressive out of the processor and maybe it'll just it'll blow us away it'd be kind of nice I actually wouldn't mind see an actual Google phone get in there and really really truly go head to head with Samsung and Apple because I'm, I'm still pretty salty about the fact that Samsung kept marking itself as the Apple killer it kept marking itself as the anti-Apple it's the so much the for the user friendly phone and then they just kept being more and more like Apple and it really really does disappoint me.
It really does. So pretty much we've seen everything leak out about the Pixel 6 except benchmarks. One other leak we have. They call it the Google Pixel Pass. The whole point of the Pixel Pass. Oh, by the way, one other thing that was leaked out was also that it would have that the Pixel 6 would have five years of security updates. Especially when recently, you know, them updates playing a bigger and bigger role. So to see it get a lot of updates, you know, good start. Good start. Want to see that keep going. But the whole point of the Pixel Pass is supposed to go ahead and offer other sort of services along with it. So the leak is supposed to contain YouTube Premium, Google One, Play Pass, an extended warranty, and is also tied in with being with Google Fi. So that'd be kind of neat. And I only recall what half of these do. I can't remember what Google One does. But the leaks, including the documents, show all of this, and um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the price is, because that's going to matter a whole lot. But the fact that it does kind of take all of that and then force you to be on the Google Fi network is kind of, uh, it does rub me the wrong way. It really does. It makes it feel pretty anti-competitive. And that kind of makes me not a fan. But, you know, if you wanted to see more of the dystopian hellscape that is, in fact, nothing but endless subscriptions, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Best Buy Total Tech. We actually did cover this in the main podcast. And I feel like I kind of covered everything. But I want to talk about it again because there's still much more to kind of digest in this. So what Best Buy Total Tech covers is the following. For $200 a year, I want to stress that, a year, you get free Geek Squad tech support available 24-7, 365 on all the technology in your home, no matter where you bought it. already a good start total tech expert access a vip service with access to dedicated phone and chat teams so pretty much the same sort of thing earlier except you know perhaps more intended for how to use the device rather than what's wrong with the device up to 24 months of product protection on most best buy purchases during active membership, including AppleCare Plus on Apple products, free delivery and standard installation, exclusive total tech member prices, 20% off labor for repairs and advanced services and 10% off labor for custom installations, an extended 60-day return and exchange window on most products, 
and free haul-away on most product replacements. Now, on its face, and I said this in the main podcast as well, what this is clearly is an attempt to compete with Amazon Prime. As more and more retail outlets start being forced to basically copy Amazon's model or face perishing, especially thanks to the pandemic, more and more places like Best Buy want to go ahead and try to flex what little they can with their physical location. Because let's be perfectly honest. Right now, if I'm short on toilet paper, it is so much easier for me to go ahead and notice, hey, I'm on my last roll. Just go to Amazon, click a couple buttons, and then it's like, all right, oh, it's gonna be gonna be here in a couple of days. Rather than for me to go go ahead, change out of my comfy shorts, go get some real shorts on, or long pants because it's getting cold quick here. Jeez, you know, get my so- get get socks, get sho- shoes on. So when it starts getting cold enough, get a jacket on. Get out to my car, start up the car, take a 10 minute drive out to the grocery store, get it. But at least then I'd have it the same day. But if I notice I'm low, it's four buttons. And then it'll be here. It's kind of hard to compete with that level of convenience. But now everyone is trying to figure out a way to do it. And thanks to the pandemic, more and more people that were hesitant to that style of shopping were kind of forced into going with that style of shopping. But right now in the shopping world, there is a big problem. Shortages. And it is a much bigger problem than anyone wants to admit. The price of everything has been slowly going up as supply has been drying up just because the supply chain in the world for various reasons here and there, they're running into problems. Prices for everything keeps going up. And I'm just going to, I'm going to save going into the exact details of the why, because that starts getting to the political realm. And I want to try and avoid that on a tech podcast, looking at you, Verge. But I digress. The shortages are going to be a big, big issue in a couple of months. Do not be surprised as you try going for holiday shopping. And you find that everything you've been looking for is gone. Literally gone. But Best Buy has an answer for you. This holiday season, Total Tech members, that's the subscription service we were just talking about, will get more than great support. They'll also receive exclusive access to some of the season's hardest to find products. 
They'll also have access to Member Monday, a new series of special events that offer members exclusive deals on some of the hottest tech. Member Monday kicks off Monday, October 18th. That's when this podcast is out. And will run select weeks throughout the holiday season. Member Monday will also feature exclusive deals for customers who are a part of Best Buy's free membership program, My Best Buy. You know that PlayStation 5 you can't get your hands on? Pay Best Buy 200 bucks, and you have a better chance, and I want to stress that, a better chance of getting that PS5. Everyone is looking at this and saying, wow, Best Buy is just basically pre-scalping all these items. But it's worse than that. Because unfortunately, you pay the 200 whether you get it or not. But there's another problem with this. Not only is the supply of these hot items low, but... They are also, because the supply is low, being taken advantage of by scalpers. Oh, wow. 200 bucks and I can get in on this exclusive deal? And have a much better chance to get it? Oh, and my scripts can go ahead and basically have me get it before anyone else? How much is the PlayStation 5 going for on eBay right now? thousand dollars nine hundred forty nine eight hundred eighty nine you know for funsies let's go ahead and switch this to completed offers oh here we go completed for seven hundred fifty dollars completed for seven hundred thirty dollars oh one guy actually just sold his for five hundred actually the going rate for those that's actually you know respectable $690, If you get lucky, it could be a very easy way to get some of the hottest items. A one-time fee of $200. And you can even stay within limits. Just get one PS5, get one Xbox Series X, Get one Xbox Series S. You've got, you're a scalper. You've got the robots to go ahead and scoop up all those items. No problem. And then all those that had the honest intention of paying 200 bucks so that little Billy can go ahead and get that PlayStation you always wanted. They're still SOL. I don't blame Best Buy here. 
Because I do believe they came up with this service for the sole purpose of trying to flex their their tech support. I do truly believe that. That they wanted to be able to offer this. And then thought, you know, with this shortage out, these customers went ahead and paid the extra. We should let them get access to some of the hottest deals. It helps us out to promote the service. It helps th them out for willing to support, support us by getting them the sort of stuff. Win-win for everyone. I do believe that Best Buy had the best intentions. But this is going to backfire and no one is going to be happy. Because in the end, no matter how you look at it, the majority of people are going to see pay $200 to pay us $500 for a PS5 or be scalped on eBay. And that is a dang shame that it's going to end up being that. In the meantime, TSMC and Sony are considering a joint chip factory in Japan. Because this is going to be the only way we're going to get out of the chip shortage. New foundries being created and staffed. So right now, the, the Japanese government is ready to pay an investment of about 800 billion yen that's roughly 7.15 billion usd to help create this foundry within southern japan to create the semiconductors for automobiles camera imaging sensors and other products that have been hit by the global chip shortage so when is this going to start coming in well we should start seeing relief from this plant in 2024. There's no easy way to look at this. I know that more foundry is going to be the only way we catch up with demand. I know this. But holy cow. Holy cow. We are going to see this shortage continue for two, three, or four more years. And keep in mind, when it comes to chips like this, it's more than just a PlayStation. It's more than just a graphics card. It's TVs. It's your car. 
the heck? It's a lot of refrigerators. Your appliances. Your thermostats. So much of the daily stuff we use nowadays when designed new has some form of a small computer built into it. No matter how smart or how dumb it is, it usually has some small silicon chip in there that's the brains behind the whole operation. Even as something as simple as a thermostat. And of course, with the supply low, the price goes up. The price for everything is just going to keep going up. It is really, really disappointing that we see this keep happening. And keep in mind, it's not just, you know, consumables. Your industrial equipment as well will have small computers on them to manage them. The business I run right now. Our big truck just died. It needs a new engine. But guess what? That new engine is crazy expensive. It's more than what the, what the vehicle was when we bought it new. I looked around at used vehicles. The price of used vehicles is astronomically higher than it was just three years ago when we bought that truck. Why? Because the supply of new trucks is crazy low. So your only option is to get a used truck if you need it. And where supply is low and the demand is high, the price goes up. It is just simple supply and demand. And I wish that wasn't the case, but that's what it is. But um, if you want better news and you want a PlayStation 5 now that I've thoroughly depressed you, um, you can sign up to register on PlayStation.com to register to buy a PS5 and it'll be on a first-come, first-served basis. Yay. In other goodwill out of Sony, the Sony Play at Home initiative saw 60 million games redeemed during the COVID-19 lockdowns. You know what? At least... That's at least something. It really, really is. And a lot of these were PS4 games. Keep that in mind as well. So it's not just like, oh, hey, look at that. A whole lot of PS5 or whatever. No, these were all mostly PS4 games that were redeemed. So you know what? Hey, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. All right, let's talk about the Activision Blizzard situation. Look at the time. I have managed to rant about supply and demand for way too long. I thought today was going to be a short subscriber episode. Boy, 
How wrong was I? All right, Activision Blizzard's legal mess has now devolved into pure chaos. We talked about this a little bit in the main podcast, but we're going to go over it again because there are a lot of details that I had to gloss over. So the Activision Blizzard legal mess is getting messier. Last month, video game giant struck a deal with the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. This is the federal arm, I want to add. To settle one of the many lawsuits it had pending, agreeing to put $18 million into a compensation fund for employees and former employees who have experienced discrimination or harassment. The settlement was surprising because it was because it was reached just a few hours after the EOC filed their complaint against the company. Meanwhile, another government agency. Agency, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, the DFEH, had filed their own lawsuit back in July of this year. In the interim, the Commission Commission Workers of America filed their own law, their own suit for labor violations, and the Securities of Exchange Commission, the SEC, subpoenaed CEO Bobby Kotick as part of a wide-reaching investigation of the company. So keep keep track of this. I also should say that. This is all from the Mary Sue, and I can confirm through other sources what they're saying is correct. We're talking about four investigations right now, all right? Keep that in your head. One of which came through, one of which, only one, was settled. And that one, I have argued, made no one happy. Because part of the settlement was the fact that the EEOC, that the company had to go in and report to that um that Activision Blizzard had to report to the EEOC whenever any major decisions were, were done so now you've got the arm of you've now got the claw of a government now pretty much in your company so now you've always got their eye on you pretty much at all times now which isn't going to make the management of Activision Blizzard happy at all. The employees lose out because it's only 18 million. When you divide that up by the number of employees you have, uh, that means a whole lot of means a whole lot of not much in terms of compensation is going to be going around. Which then also brings to what the public opinion of the whole thing is, which is also going to be greatly disappointed because they can also do math and see the compensation fund is way lower than what they believe it is because they're also just going to look at the gross income number for Activision Blizzard and compare it to that, even though that is the wrong way to do math in that regard. You should be looking at their net profit income, not their gross. Not that it really matters because either way you do it, it is still a fairly low number. That's how that one went. But then... As it continues, things get a bit confusing. What's the basis of what to remember is that the California DFEH filed a lawsuit against the video game company in July. Then the federal EEOC apparently swooped in to settle their own surprise lawsuit for, a rev- for you know, the little bit of 18 million, like we just said. Last week, the DFEH filed an objection to the EEOC's settlement with Activision Blizzard, claiming in a court filing that it was rushed and could cause irreparable harm in their own investigation. 
The department claimed that the EEOC settlement would require employees to drop any other complaints against the company in order to receive any compensation from the fund. The settlement also, also apparently allows for Activision Blizzard to destroy or tamper with evidence still extremely relevant to the DFEH cases, including personnel files and other documents referencing sexual harassment and retaliation and discrimination. That doesn't sound right. Because why would a settlement allow for the ability to destroy evidence for another arm of government? That is illegal. The article then continues, all of this, all of that sounds very, very bad, but when the EOC hit back against, against that objection, things got even worse. It basically turns out that the two lawyers leading the California DFEH case previously worked for, worked on the federal EOC's case against Activision Blizzard, then went over to the DFEH to lead the objection to the very agreement they just helped form without informing or getting any consent from the EEOC. This is a major <laughs> breach of ethics and potentially massive conflict of interest. Um, it's not potentially a massive conflict. It is a massive conflict of interest. Right after the EEOC filed their objections, the DFEH swapped those two lawyers with new counsel, which, it, which not just is, isn't fooling anyone, but is basically an admission that they knew having those lawyers should never have been involved in the first place. So now you see the massive kerfuffle between the two. So now you got the, the state body and the federal body now bumping heads in all of this. Activision Blizzard is just going to be sitting there just going, well, we can't do anything about this. And now everything's on hold until we do that. And then it gets even worse for Activision Blizzard because there's still two other lawsuits being filed against them. So if you thought we were going to see the end of this, you're wrong. We're, this is going to be going on for a while. Which is now even worse for the players. You want to know why? I want you to think about this for a second. Activision Blizzard is now pretty much in a strange holding pattern. Because they have a settlement that requires any changes they make to the company to go through and go through the EEOC. Yeah, the EEOC. But now that's being put on hold as those two are as those two arms, the DFEH and the EEOC, are going against head to head trying to figure out what is going on, who did what, and who is violating what. Which means now Activision Blizzard now needs to hesitate before making any changes within the company. During a time in which they need to, underline need to, if they, if they want to have any faith 
in restoring their good name, they need to have a new HR department. And I do mean a new, new HR department. And it's pretty much going to be the only way the investors are going to look at this and say that you have a chance of surviving. Because you can say, oh, they don't care enough. They're just going to go ahead and do whatever makes the most money. The shareholders are going to be looking at that and saying, look, if we want to make sure that this company doesn't get hit again with another massive fine, that HR department needs to change. Because if it does not, they're just going to get sued again. They're going to hit with a massive fine again, and it's going to make the cost of, the, of those shareholders, their value of the shares, go down again. In the meantime, while Activision might still be able to make games fairly efficiently and decently well, Blizzard is not. The state of World of Warcraft right now is a hot mess. They are hemorrhaging their player base as the current development team has driven that game into the ground. The writers of World of Warcraft have crafted a story for that game that is just awful. There's no other way to say it. So that element to the game is dead. The story is just almost unsalvageable at this point. To make matters even worse, the gameplay is tedious and punishes the players for having for making any kind of mistake which is even worse than an mmo because that means if you've lagged out you could possibly wipe the group thus punishing everyone because your cat ate the ethernet cable or because a solar flare knocked out your internet or whatever The systems that WoW has, so they're losing on the gameplay front. They are losing on the story front. What about graphics? Yeah, the World of Warcraft look is dated. And you can forgive the graphics if the gameplay was there. but it's not at all. And what's even worse is that you can tell in the way that Blizzard is trying to redo their dungeons. They're trying to very much Final Fantasy XIV-esque their dungeons, but they're doing it poorly. The other thing that's not going to help it work at all is that, well, let's say you're a developer for WoW. You want to go ahead and copy Final Fantasy XIV. Do you know what, where Final Fantasy excels greatly? There's two big elements that Final Fantasy is exceptional at storytelling 
and emoting with your character slash role-playing. The story in World of Warcraft is awful, which is a shame because Blizzard was the king in fantasy storytelling. There's no other way to look at it. They were the king. And now they are nothing. And in the emoting, the role-playing, the, 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 all that jazz, World of Warcraft is in the middle of purging any sort of emotes that can be considered negative at all. They are going through and removing paintings of anything that a prude would consider sexual. And I do mean a prude. A picture of Jaina showing a little bit of cleavage. Nope, she needs to have an undershirt now. She needs to co cover up that stuff. A picture of a woman laying out on the couch. Not nope, replace that picture with a bowl of fruit. Flirting emotes. Let's get rid of those two. Why not? Meanwhile, you're at it, Blizzard. Just get rid of, you know... Ban all the frickin' role-playing add-ons, because those could also contain sexual content while you're at it. Or heck, how about the Moonguard server? Just, just, just get rid of that. Get rid of the ERPers, you don't seem to care. And then the rest of the games that, that Blizzard has. Overwatch 2 is in development, although it seems to be hemorrhaging f staff stupid quickly. That's just going to have a uh, very, very strange launch. Hearthstone is still going decently well. StarCraft is a dead franchise. Heroes of the Storm is in a strange holding pattern. Diablo is wondering if you have phones. Blizzard is looking more and more like a liability, which is a shame because it has amazing intellectual property and it's just being mismanaged. They need to make major changes and they cannot right now, thanks to the DFEH and the EEOC butting heads. Yeah. This is a problem. This is going to be a big Big problem. Meanwhile, Roblox has banned hand-holding and kissing within the game. Does someone want to tell Roblox that, um, that copying Blizzard in this case is not a good idea? probably not good for anyone i mean honestly this is fine i mean roblox is intended to be a, a kid's game so i mean banning that sort of stuff i get why but it's also a for real really uh i could go back and forth on it quite a bit 
But that also being said, Roblox did introduce new ways to express express yourself with these very, very um, interesting uh, metaverse. So they're calling a dynamic heads within the metaverse. They are extremely expressive. I'm not going to lie. And I could actually see something like this being very useful in, you know, games like Second Life, like in Final Fantasy XIV, like in World of Warcraft. Roblox... It could be interesting in Roblox. I'm not entirely sure. It's interesting. But to go ahead and say we're going to let you be more expressive, but no hand-holding. Kind of saying mixed messages there. I do love that one person said that replied to Roblox's tweet showing showcasing all this and said... You're not getting the message. No one likes this. It's good to expand on a broader style, but the vast majority of people hate this. It's vile. You saw the backlash when you released the prototype. Did you really think make making it function better would help? Yeah. Like, I'll be honest. It looks good. It looks really really good and even if it's not used in roblox this kind of engine can still be sold to so someone else and still be worth a lot like to say that no one wants this someone wants this it looks fantastic all right get into our last couple of stories now that this is officially the longest uh, subscriber episode ever William Shatner has safely gone to space and has come back. William Shatner launched using the serve using ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da Blue Origin and flew up there earlier this week with three other people. But what amused me the most about this mission to send William Shatner, aka Captain Kirk, up to space and come back is the uh the outfits that him and his crew were wearing. They were wearing the original Star Trek uniforms. At least they were painted to look like that. William Shatner, of course, in the Captain Yellow. But um, his three crew were all wearing red. If you don't know, in the original Star Trek, pretty much anyone wearing a red shirt most likely got killed in some way, shape, or form. It was, pr it's pretty much a meme. How comically, if you were wearing red on, on the Starship Enterprise, you've only got hours to live. Fortunately, that only applies in Star Trek. Everyone came back safely. And thus, William Shatner has gone to space, both on a set and in real life. And then finally, our last story for today's episode. This involves the ZMBIZI. -I. It is a $550 phone. This is specifically the Z2. The company is called Zimbizi, I guess. I don't know. The Z2 will pay you for using the phone. That's right. 
you can go ahead and use this phone. It's it's cheap. Decent looking phone. You know, quad camera on the back. A little bit, little bit of this uh, see-through sort of backing so you can see some of the circuitry. This kind of cool look. Punch, hole punch ca camera in the front, full screen. What's the catch? It pays you. By mining your data. This 4G phone will pay you. But as long as it can just keep data mining you. You know what though? At least I'm going to get paid. For having this spyware phone spy on me. The payouts are roughly supposed to be about $10 a month. Which means. It will take me roughly the life of this phone to pay for the phone. Oh. <laughs> it's a cute idea. Until you realize this is a real thing. This is not a parody. This is an actual real thing that you can go ahead and do. And it, and, and you just mine your data, get paid for it. The spyware phone is actually real. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. I know I don't have much of an update, but um, the things have been uh, crazy IRL. I've said that last week. They still are. I have not had a chance to really update the podcast at all. I've gotten a, I did get an email from someone wanting to go and be a guest, but um, I'm still kind of on the fence on that. We'll talk about it more down the road. Take care. And I hope you have a great day.